Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Tom Smith. He's the founder and CEO at Global Web Index. Tom, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at Global Web Index is actually really quite fascinating. But maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Sure. Um, so I grew up in the UK. Okay. Uh, in a place called Hertfordshire, which is okay. near, sure. near London. Nice. So close to London, uh, so you could get to London quite easily, but far enough away that it was still a pretty boring place, to be honest. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it, was, it was fine. It was a nice place to grow up as a kid. Okay, so you went to university. What did you take and why? What did I take? Uh, yeah. t- uh, in terms of studying. Yeah. So I studied geography. So Okay, what made you get or passionate about that growing up? Yeah, so... Um, I don't know, I, I did kind of have a, and this was like, so this is like people geography, you know, not, not like mountains. Oh, okay, but, interesting. So it was all about uh, towns and places and topics like migration. Um, I, I don't know, university became a bit more about, uh, you start doing things like gender studies and stuff like that. But, sure. um, and geographical politics and there's lots of aspects to it. But I liked it, because I, I've always liked it at school. Okay. And I always found it really interesting. I always enjoyed the, uh, the kind of global aspect to it, which actually kind of strangely fed into what I end up doing today. Um, and understanding people and how they're in, in, different, in different parts of the world. So I ended up, it was basically what I was best at at school. So I was, I was interested to, to study it. Sure. Um, and I went on to do that. And uh, it, there aren't many direct routes out of geography. It's a bit like doing a kind of very general generalist degree okay uh, interesting but it was yeah it was it was very interesting i learned all sorts of things so um and actually surprisingly ended up being quite useful in what i do today yeah i can imagine so yeah. walk me through you get out of university walk me through your career up until kind of you decided to to found global web index sure so i left in 2001 okay uh university and it was a you know it was a was after the dot-com crash. Right. Bit of an interesting time to find a career. Yeah. I, I was kind of, uh, I kind of wanted to work in marketing, but I didn't really know what. And it, you don't really understand all the facets of marketing, all the different types of roles or, sure. the, you know. So I ended up, I actually got work experience at um, a media agency called Universal McCann, who okay. are part of um, a big group called McCann Erickson, which everyone will know from... Um, uh, the TV show. The sure. Nice yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Name, That's cool. Mad Men. Sorry, the name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> and McCann Erickson is a you know world famous. It's probably the biggest creative agency in the world. So I was in the media part of that of that group. Um, and basically, what Universal McCann did was plan and buy media space. Right. So okay. We would work with the biggest companies in the world. So a really like multi-billion-dollar advertisers. It was a U.S. business. I was in the London office. And all of these clients spending, you know, some of the budgets were multiple billions. It'd often be, sure. you know, spending hundreds of millions globally. And it would be clients like, I worked from people like Nestle, L'Oreal. Um, yeah, big brands, eh? Big brands, Microsoft, Xbox, um, UPS. I mean, worked on, you know, a lot of brands. And basically my role, I went, I had no idea this business existed, to be honest. Interesting. I and I went into a market I went in, there was a research team there and I, I did um, work experience. Okay. Work experience for, two, for like a couple of weeks and they said, oh, you seem to be, you know, you, you quite like it. We're looking for someone. You're doing a good job. Do you want to have a job? So that's how I ended up getting a job, which was great. Um, so I, I got a job in the research team there and it was actually okay. a fascinating time to get a job in the research team there. And a lot, that's built the foundation of what I know today in the business that I'm in or creative. So, okay. Basically, 
you know, marketing and advertising were undergoing incredible change in that period. So, you know, 2001, 2002, the sure. internet was just started to become mainstream, particularly in markets like uh, US, UK, uh, hadn't yet really expanded on globally, but everyone was looking at, you know, what the impacts on advertising would be immense, you know, in terms of like where clients would spend their money, how, to, how you do advertising, the kind of data you're going to have, how you engage consumers. All that was being shaped and nobody really knew direction it was going to go. Right. So. Sure. Yeah. I, very much. Yeah. And, and I was working. So my job to support these clients would basically be every time you build a, a marketing campaign and you figure out where you're going to invest your advertising spend, that would all be built on market research and data. So they'd want to understand the target audience, you know, who's the right target audience? Who should we, who should we be targeting for our campaigns? Right. What does that audience look like? How do I reach them? What kind of media are they engaging in? Uh, what kind of like uh, tactics and mechanics will drive most engagement? And this was all, you know, it was all driven by working with market research and data. So in marketing, and I was, you know, very much involved in the top enterprise marketing, there were a set of what you call industry standard currency research studies, basically. Gotcha. These have been the foundation of marketing for maybe 50, 60 years. And in the UK, we had a product called TGI. In the US, the product's called MRI and Simmons. And these sure. are basically very long-term research, project, research projects, all conducted offline. People would fill out these big paper books. They would aggregate all that data up, and it would provide you a really detailed view of consumers, right? Right. So use these data sets. So the, the issue that I was having and increasingly having is that because they're all built for the offline world, they were collecting loads of de de data about TV, radio, print, um, right. outdoor, you know, everything to do with the old world of media. Sure. Very little about digital. And because they were built in offline data collection, the data was very slow to get published. So yeah, you know, we'd be asking and requesting data on things like MySpace, um, you know, it was coming around, we were looking at, stuff like Friendster, you know, like sure, things yeah. are popping up and everyone's going, oh, is this a big deal? Should we be advertising on it? Should be, what should we be doing with it? And there were no data in these studies because by the time this product appeared, by the time yeah. you collect the data and get it back, it's probably disappeared again. No, you know, someone's, everyone's gone on to the next thing. So it was clear that, you know, we needed faster data was one thing. And the second thing was that increasingly advertisers um, were thinking more globally. So, you know, if you build, put content online, it's not going to sit inside one country. It's going to go all over the world. Right. Um, if you build a website, you get visitors from all over the world. If you, you know, every, those, the borders of traditional advertising that were built because you could only buy a TV campaign in your local market or a press campaign in your local market were completely disappearing. So people are asking for global data. Um, and there wasn't any, basically. Interesting. But, so I would be asked these questions by big advertisers. Like, oh, we want to reach, I had a, a like, specific example, we work with a hotel chain. Okay. Oh, we want to understand how to reach travel bloggers in 10 different countries. And we're going to engage that. We want to know who they are, whether they're important, how we engage them. And then we're going to figure out how we support these travel bloggers and build a you know, big social reach online. Like before, even like Facebook and things like that. Sure. Um, and it was literally, I get this request. And I would, there would be no data in like the study in the UK. I'd go out and ask all the different local markets. I can use your, your local research and data sets to figure out what you can find. This would take maybe a couple of months. Wow. Uh, you know, you've got to send people an email. You've got to chase it up. You get on the phone. Yeah. It's a big job just to get one bit of information. Sure. And then they would all come back. Nobody would have information. What you could find didn't match. None of it was harmonized. And basically, you couldn't answer the questions these clients were asking. Okay. Um, you know, and then, and then we saw things like YouTube emerge, Facebook grew, yeah. you know, Twitter came, yeah. everything just was accelerating. The mobile came along and the whole world was not only getting online, but was becoming connected and content is truly global. And today, you know, we've seen the absolute evolution of that. And today everything is connected and global, right? But makes sense. Yeah. But you so, guys were really early on then. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I was kind of at the forefront, really, because you think, yeah. you know, marketing is 
is you know the most generally whatever faults of marketing as a business process it's you know it's always trying to find new ways to communicate to consumers right so yeah they were on the front foot in terms of trying to figure out how to use online and they were starting to think about how to do it across different markets so i was you know i was lucky to find myself in that position and to see what was happening and so i could see that basically what was needed we needed global data we need to understand consumers online incredible you know much bit bigger detail we need data that was up to date and specifically we need data that really delved into social media the social media was um you know it's it, it requires a much sort of deeper understanding of the end consumer because the consumer is the person who is going to engage your content is going to share it you're not buying that reach you know you're buying advertising you're engaging with people so everything become more conversational more people centric no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I'm curious then when you guys originally started, because you guys have been around now, um, you know, almost 10 years, right? And yeah. so how, what, how has it kind of changed? Like, what did you launch with originally? And then walk us through the journey of kind yeah. of how you've added and kind of adapted your platform, you know, over the last kind of 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the reason I knew how to build and launch this product is because I would have been an end user. Sure. So I was working sure. at agencies looking for this product, knew it wasn't there. I said, right, I'm running all this kind of research on my own. I can go and do it. So I left sure. in yeah, 2009. Okay. So I started my career in one recession and then left to start business in another. So <laughs> Um, Interesting. So did you raise money and like you quit uh, your full-time job to start building this or did you start building it before you left? Uh, I, well, I kind of, you know, I'd done a bit of background research, looked into okay. what to do, but really I didn't really do anything until I left. So I quit okay. and left in December 2008. Yeah. It was like two weeks after Lehman Brothers collapsed. Sure. Wow. Close. It was very close. I can't remember exactly. But, you know, the world felt like it was going to end and I'd made sure. it commitment to start a business but you know sometimes those timing things you just kind of get got to get on with it so i i set up i started out to set up global web index i had zero funding no money okay um i mean literally no money i had no funding at all no seed money wow um, and i created a powerpoint deck which was this idea which was a large-scale piece of market research that understands digital consumers all over the world basically okay that was global web index in the beginning, I just had a PowerPoint deck and it was the idea of what we we're going to bring to market. And this was just me on my own. So I would basically, I, I must have presented this deck at least 200 times. Wow. You know, just going around using all my existing contacts saying, look, I'm going to launch this uh, later in the year, originally targeted to launch it like September. And, you know, do you want to be part of this? Do you want to buy into it? Do you want to be a founder client? Do you want to invest in it? You can tailor it, shape it. And you know, no one wanted to do that. No one wanted okay. to buy it. Interesting. And uh, it, not only was it, it was a tough time. Sure. So uh, like, how did you just like pay your bills? Uh, I did a little bit of consulting on the side. Okay. I, I had okay. a very good, I, well, I got married, no, I got married a year after. So I wasn't actually married at that point, but I had a very understanding uh, fiance. Who got you. Continued to go out to work, which was great. Um, so thanks to her, she gave me a bit of space to do it. Nice. Um, I did, you know, I did a little bit of consulting on the side and really uh, what I didn't realize when I, I started the business, it's incredibly hard in this market yeah. to build. I mean, what you're building is an industry standard currency data set that everybody yeah, in the industry understands, buys into, they use it to trade media, advertising. It's like a common language a framework, sure. right? Sure. And to get that off the ground is really challenging. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because you go in and they say, this is, what, this is what they used to say to me when I took the, the PowerPoint out. I go, right, it's a great idea. Really like it. We need this. Um, who else is buying in? You know, what other customers? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, you're like, well, I've just launched it. You know, some people are interested, but we're not quite there yet. And people would not come on board unless someone else is buying it. Yeah, so totally. That, that's an issue at the beginning. Um, secondly, it's very long sales cycles. So people have an annualized budget to buy this stuff in, in, within enterprise marketing. Um, and it would take, you know, you'd have like, you'd have to work six months to get into a budget. Generally yeah. those budgets were very flat or, you know, people were using it to buy existing stuff. Um, so 
you know, there wasn't really, there wasn't really, um, it was really hard to go out and make and find additional budget, right? Okay. So you'd have to get, you'd have to convince people to drop old products and things like that. So it's very hard to get off the ground. Yeah, I can imagine that. That's really challenging, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was super challenging. And it took me, so I was out, you know, I was out for the best part of nine months presenting this, nobody coming on board. Okay. You know, I managed to convince Microsoft to find, you know, to, to, to use this the last bit of additional budget to, to do something speculative and work with, with us. So they would have found a client at Global Web Index and to go from there, one client, you can go and get the next one and the next right. one. Well, especially if you have Microsoft, right? It's pretty exactly. easy to say, well, Microsoft's using this, so you should too. <laughs> but it, yeah, that's absolutely true. But actually, what you, when you're building this type of product that's like an industry standard, or in fact, any product really, especially in technology, SaaS, no, business service SaaS, it's all about the customer base. You know, people want to see yeah. it's credible. They want to see that other people are using it. They don't want to be the absolute first, generally. Sure. Um, yeah, and, and actually the product at that point was not very good. I mean, it was obviously bootstrapped to sure. its maximum. It was a limited data set, covered 16 countries, wasn't very far reaching in terms of scale. I didn't own a platform or technology to distribute the data. So people are accessing it through BI tools and other third party software. So it was pretty rudimentary, but it was enough it, there was def a definitive need, so there was enough of what I was providing that I could just get in the door with it. Um, nice. And yeah, I mean, that was the foundation, but it took, what I didn't really realize is how long it would take to really establish the business sure. as a kind of credible player in this market. Because it just takes, it takes years. You know, people need to get to know you. They want to see that you're around for a while. They want to see you're producing data. And it's, you know, everyone in marketing is, is using this data and you've got the client base and it takes a lot, it takes a while. Sure. Um, yeah. So early days, it was just myself for like two years, two okay. years, had some help from my, my one well, now wife. She helped me for a while. I didn't hire anyone for a while. Okay. Who was and, doing uh, the development? Was it you or did you subcontract out or how did you get the actual well, platform kind of built? Was, uh, at the time there was zero technology. There was just the market research data set. Got you. Okay. Okay. And I was selling that as, as a, on a subscription basis. Then it was always the intention for me to build the technology around it. So to build the API that would hold the Got data, you. to build the platform so people can analyze the data and that, but it took, I didn't, I didn't manage that till 2014. So that's five years wow. down the line. Wow. So that was yeah, hard. No, interesting. It's interesting though, right? Because I, I think this is the real story of how this stuff actually happens. Because I think a lot of people would be like, he was an overnight success. And you're like, well, it took me five years to get kind of a first version, really, like online. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So keep going. Yeah, now people don't realize how long these things take, right? And um, I mean, I could have done it maybe a bit quicker because we were bootstrapped. I, sure. I didn't raise money. But, but you also kept 100% of the company then. Yeah, at the time, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So obviously, yeah, I retained huge control of it. I mean, there is that upside, but you, in the flip side of that is you lose time. Yeah, time, fair. Time's pretty, pretty precious, right? Yep. You can't, you can't get that back. Looking uh, back, would you have tried to raise money earlier? Um, no, I think I, I probably should have raised a small round. Okay. Uh, to maybe advance that, you know, be able to invest in technology earlier, not fund out of clients and cash flow. Got you. Because um, that, that's when the business really started to take off. You know, okay. It, that, you know, we built the, we built the, tech, the, the dashboard. We owned the user sign-up model. We became a SaaS business. And Got now you. I sell users to a platform that has our data in it. Um, and then that, when the business really started to accelerate, because it meant we could distribute our data all over the world. Sure. Extremely low cost. You could, it could be entirely self-service. And that was, you know, revolutionized what we were doing. Um, and I kind of wish I'd done that a bit earlier. Yeah. But it, I think what would have been ideal was doing an early round, be able to, after, you know, make, I, I did it the right way. I, initially, I bootstrapped it. I would say yeah. as lean as possible. I proved that people would buy it. That was exactly the right thing to do. Okay. I, I probably then should have done hmm? It's good advice. Yeah, well, you need to be, you know, you've got to be able to show that 
you can prove there's you can validate there's a need for most products without building sure. it as a technology solution. Yeah, fair. You can deliver it as a service, you can God, you can hack it in so many different ways, you know, like just to like validate that someone will pay money for that thing. Sure. Um, I mean, I've seen people go out and spend huge amounts of money, time, effort building the technology without finding any customers. And it seems, yeah. you know, it seems like a crazy way to do it. So that was good. And I did that the right way. The thing I should have done is I probably should have done a raise early once I've validated that need to be able to build out the technology. And, and I, could, I could have saved, you know, two or three years on that. Probably. Interesting. Okay. And that, that would have had a massive difference to where we are now because it's, we built a recurring revenue base that grows organically. And um, so, yeah, I, I might have done that differently, but th there was a lot to be said to bootstrapping. Sure. It, it makes you really focused, very lean. Um, you know, you, you consider every pound you spend, you, you're trying to be profitable. And, uh, you know, I think it must it change. And like, even though now we've done a fundraise recently for the first okay. time, you still have that mentality of bootstrapping in you. Yeah, you know? interesting. You're not just going to throw money at something yeah. unless you're sure, right? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, the downside um, is that you probably you put, you push quite a few things down the line that you probably should, should have done. So Okay, interesting. Like, you know, um, I, I talked about investment in technology and being able to build that out. I mean, for that, that was fundamental for scaling, but you know, hiring people in finance, operations, talent, those sort of really important, those roles are so important to sure. you know, build a sustainable, scalable business. But when you're bootstrapping, you tend to hire the sales guy over hiring someone in accounting, you know, and you, you yeah, it, makes sense. And actually, you know, you're always chasing the money. Yeah. And you also chase things that probably aren't, that, you know, things that are distraction and end up doing big projects. I did a huge project for, um, a big technology company in the early days. Okay. And it wasn't really what I wanted to do, but it was going to okay. pay well. Right. And yeah. Probably should have, you know, ultimately that was a distraction, you know, so there's kind of, there's those downsides, but I certainly think for the first couple of years, it's really important. At least, at least until you can validate you've got a business, right? Or yeah. Something. It's interesting that you're openly willing to say that because a lot of startups actually still do kind of, custom work or client work um some of the time yeah but a lot of people won't actually say that so I, I guess the point i'm trying to get across is if you need to do it and it's a distraction sure but like sometimes you just need to do it right and you don't have a choice yeah you gotta pay the bills so it is what it is right it is what it is yeah um yeah i mean i, I just think yeah if, if you go in and raise money on day one without having any customers yeah I think you, yeah, you're not valid. You, you, there's always a way to validate that someone's going to buy what you want without yeah. bringing the money in the door. You know, there's a sure. way of doing even, it. Even if you just show, um, I've found, well, well, I'm curious to get your thoughts, but I've found even just showing screenshots of a workflow that's not even clickable, like printed off on paper. I've seen that work to people and just say like, okay, here's the homepage. And then yeah. you log in and then you go to a dashboard and then you go here and then you go here and then you go here. And you know, it, it can be pretty rough and just some people need to visually see something, even if it's pretty rudimentary and getting something like that done, whether you do it yourself or um, kind of hire somebody to, to do that is pretty inexpensive to validate an idea. Fair to say? Absolutely. I mean, I, I even do it now. We're, we're, um, you know, we're pitching some of our clients now, we're pitching more customized, uh, you know, analysis platforms to work with our sure. data or some of their own data as well. And, and we'll actually, before we build anything, you're just going to you lay it out visually, put it on paper, show them what it's going to look like. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can get a long way with that. Absolutely. It's really Yeah. Bad. Before you write any code, really. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Walk me through kind of the last five years then, because I think we covered the, the first five years pretty good, but yeah. how did you kind of, once this thing's really kind of rolling now and you're hiring people and you're building technology, yeah. walk us through kind of that journey. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I'll say, yes, yeah, well, nearly five years ago now is when we launched basically the platform around the data. 
So that's when, okay. became, that's when we became a SaaS business. Got you. But for me, everything changed in terms of how you run the business, how you build sales teams. I needed customer success to look after users. We started investing in marketing, inbound marketing, you know, like different approach. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was very intellectually exciting and challenging because I had no idea about SaaS as a, as a philosophy or how to build a business, but it, you know, it's, it's an incredible way to build a business model. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's when, you know, because then that's when we got truly, genuinely, very predictable recurring revenue coming through the door. We were able to scale the business quite, rap you know, initially pretty rapidly, and it really scaled up last year. Um, and the business continues to grow really quickly. So, sure. um, yeah, we went from like, uh, what were we, that period, about 20-something employees. Okay. Now we're 180. Oh, wow. That's huge. Huge so growth. I've, I've doubled that in the, like, the last year i think wow. and we're, we only closed the fundraising uh end of june so you know well, we've congrats, done man. that's huge yeah nearly all of that growth has been done on a, like a bootstrap business um wow. and, and just yeah it's, just, it's exciting it's really you know every, every year to, for me as a someone running the business every year the business is different you know and it's sure, like a big sure. well well and i'm just looking at your site right now and you have some huge brands that anybody kind of worldwide has heard of, right? Yeah. Yeah, we were, yeah, the, the client base, the client base is amazing, right? So I'm, yeah. I'm genuinely, I think if I'm doing things I'm most proud of, it's like if you look at the clients that come on board. Sure. And, and renew with us, keep working with us. You know, we work with, I mean, we have kind of three core main groups of buyers or users of the data. So, okay. You've got age, advertising agencies of all types. And we okay. work biggest down to the smallest. We work with agencies that have three people. Okay. Uh, we work with you know, agencies that have tens of thousands of people and, and everyone in between. Um, okay. And they're all using the data in the same way, really. It's to support their clients. They want to respond to briefs the clients give them. They want to win new business. They pitch for new business. And they want to deliver understanding consumers and audience insights. And that's you know, the foundation of kind of marketing and advertising. Got you. We also work with a lot of uh, big publishers. So anyone that's selling advertising. So they, you know, we work with the likes of Twitter, Snapchat, sure. Google, and all of the big, um, you know, technology companies that sell advertising. Right. Uh, and we work with lots, lots of traditional, so traditional, but like uh, media brands have been around for a long time and increasingly yep. moving online. So, the likes of the Guardian, the BBC. We work with people like NBC. And nice other guys. So, um, you know, that's, that's and they, they will use our data to validate who their audience is, what it looks like, and ultimately to be able to sell their online appetite, online and sometimes offline, advertising inventory for more money. You know, gotcha. they want to convince an advertiser that they should put money on, they should invest their money with that publisher. Um, gotcha. So that and and they will want to use independent data and that's what we are. You know, we're yeah, independent makes sense. Anyone, right? So the other kind of key vertical is uh, corporate, uh, working okay. with big brands directly. So we work with people from all kinds of sectors and verticals, but uh, we increasingly work with a lot of sports brands, people like Liverpool Football Club, work with the NFL, we work with people okay. like, um, uh, on technology side, we work with some of the most you know, iconic technology companies in the world, like Airbnb and Slack. Very cool. You know, people like Danone, Red Bull, these guys, you know, really big names. And they're all basically using the same use case, which is increasingly companies are bringing marketing in-house, right? This is a really sure. big yeah. threat. So they want to rely less on agencies or, you know, bring the marketing strategy in-house. Increasingly, they're, they're building teams that are making creative, um, making ads, they're booking, you know, they're, they're running campaigns booking media and, and they're doing all of that in house. Yeah. And a lot of this has been driven by, because of Facebook and Google, the lots of companies are a large portion of their ad spend is going to two, two places. Sure. Um, they're also buying online ad spend programmatically. They want to bring that in house. So they can keep control of the data. You know, this is a really big trend. Um, yeah. And, and then, you know, everything's getting, you know, everything's becoming so fast and then social media, is making everything almost real time, instantaneous. It's very, yeah. you know, you want, you want to have, as a big company, you want to be really reactive and you want to own that stuff in house. So, um, yes, yeah, so increasingly we're working with, you know, analysts, 
uh, working strategists, planners inside big, uh, big brands, right? So that's a really sure. big growth for us. Um, and there's actually in another sort of big growth area. It's interesting: smaller companies. So we're working with SMEs, um, okay. micro businesses, uh, and these are kind of people who never use this sort of data set. Sure. When I, when I worked in advertising, it was only bought by the biggest companies. Right. Well, it's the only ones that could afford it, right? Yeah, exactly. It's the only ones that could afford it. You know, we've made it really super cheap to buy. You don't get everything, but you can. Sure. But you have a free plan, correct? You can start yeah. off for free. Yeah. So it can be free. It can be absolutely free. So we built a freemium model in, which is in our sector of industry data is kind of pretty unheard of. Yeah, very much then, so. It's yeah. And then you can scale all the way up to like a really big enterprise plan where you get lots of customized features and data and you know, everything in between. Right. So, we get our number one sign up for free plans, CEOs in small companies, right? And, mm. and people are, you know, marketing's fundamentally changed from when I worked in an agency and I could see this coming. Sure. Yeah. The start of it was that, you know, marketing now is very democratized, it's very accessible. If you run a business like I do, we have most of our marketing in house, right? Most of it. Sure. You're, okay. You're building content. You're buying yeah. ads on Facebook. You're buying ads on LinkedIn. Uh, you're running your social media. Pro, uh, you're running, you know, social media uh, accounts. You're engaging with customers online. You, you've got a website. You know, all that stuff's increasingly, you know, small businesses, SMEs, mid-sized companies are doing that inside. And now you can reach a customer anywhere in the world. I mean, it's a fundamental change from like even 10 years ago. Sure. Uh, Which is interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge trend and, and they're coming to us saying, oh, you know, this is my customer. And we had one fairly recently, they want to look at high-end jewelry customers. Okay. You know, we're a small company, build high-end jewelry, we want to figure out how we can reach them all over the world, right? Sure, makes sense. Yeah. Um, and they come to us to see if, you know, to use our data to figure out what does a high-end jewelry customer look like? Can I, where, where am I going to find them around the world? Which market should I focus on? What platforms are they most likely to be losing online? What kind of content do they like? Gotcha. And it's like, you know, they want to build that kind of understanding. So that's a real growth sector for us. Interesting. And that broader democratization of marketing is really driving a lot of our long-term strategy, which is about making our data easier to access by okay. free, also much easier to use. So, we're investing a lot in building really simple uh, systems and platforms that are not, you don't have to be a market research expert. You just got to be a, you can be anyone and get value from the data. Thanks for listening to building the future. This show is heard by more than a million people monthly in over 15 markets worldwide, including Silicon Valley. Kevin Horick's guests are leading business owners, successful entrepreneurs and merchandisers worldwide. Now, your brand has an opportunity to tap into this dedicated and active group of business people who are looking for places to invest and the right opportunities to support. Find out how you can get involved at buildingthefutureshow.com. Yeah, I was playing with the platform, um, I don't know, like a week or so ago, just kind of between you know, when we originally talked to, and now, and, and the interface is really nice. It's pretty simple to use. Like I, I understood it right away, but do you maybe want to give a few more examples to people of how people can use the, your platform? Yeah. Because there's a tons, tons of ways you can use it, but I think just giving a few more examples so people truly understand yeah. would, would help. No, I hundred percent agree with you. Um, so there's a, like, we are kind of in the midst of a, a, tra a transition from working with these expert operate, you know, enterprise users to work sure. with all sorts of people with infinitely different use cases. So one thing we, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So things we're doing to kind of take advantage of that opportunity is one, very simply putting out a much larger customer success team that can onboard anyone and give them relevant examples. So got you, uh, that's a, you know, and, and we got to deliver that. We have users in over 170 countries. So wow. almost all of them. <laughs> yeah, almost all. Literally everywhere in the world. So yeah, like people come to us. Is there like two hundred or something, or just around that? Because like some people argue that certain countries aren't really full-fledged countries or something. Yeah. So you're in literally almost every country. I don't even know the exact number. But <laughs> I think two hundred and something. Yeah. So yeah. Basically, anywhere in the world, we're getting That's people awesome. to come to us. Um, the way that we another way to remedy that 
is we are increasingly providing reports and insights and pre-built collateral that can help people understand uh, you know, trends and what's going on. So that's a kind of people-driven initiative here and we're, we're building that out. We also built a team now internally to build a whole new interface and platform which is built around use cases. So oh, interesting. Your, your use case might be, uh, okay, I need to, uh, I just want to build a, a, a profile of what my audience looks like. You know, what, okay. what makes them up, what makes them unique. That would be like a pre-built template. Think okay. of it like as a PowerPoint. Okay. Pre-built template, which you then just pick how you want to tailor it. Okay, I'm, I'm operating in Italy and I'm targeting, um, I'm targeting people who buy uh, football boots. I don't know, isn't it? Random sure. example. Yeah. And then it will populate the, the story, as we call them, the presentation okay. with that customized data. So you don't have to do any analysis work. You just have to read and interpret the data. And it's, gotcha. yes, you're right. So it's a, there's one thing to get people to learn how to use the platform, but the biggest challenge is getting people to learn how to use data. And then yeah. how, all the data we have and what kind of use cases can you apply it to? And big, it's a big educational job. But if you get it right, it's a huge opportunity. So No, it, it makes total sense. So... I'm curious though, how do you guys keep the platform and the data relevant to kind of how this industry is changing so quickly? Are you taking a lot of customer feedback? Because you've obviously had customers for a number of years now because you've been around for almost a decade. So <laughs> it's clearly working, but how do you kind of keep up with the trends and, and you know, adjust the platform to add and kind of maybe remove or or kind of tweak features, right? Because you yeah. have to have done that a bunch of times because that's the reality of... Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's constant. Yeah. Well, there's two sides to that. One, the data that sits inside. Okay. Uh, we, we work really closely with clients um, and we take their feedback as a feedback process. And we, you know, we, we collect data constantly. We publish it currently four times a year. Okay, gotcha. It's the most up-to-date global data set that exists. Wow. So Very we're cool. going to move to monthly next year. Okay. And that will mean a kind of constant, an ability to kind of update and do more in terms of bringing new things in and out. Sure. Um, but we, that's built on customer feedback. And we also have like a trends and knowledge team internally who spend their life scouring the world for new things that are happening and making sure that we're always up to date. And that's really important. Sure. Um, and, you know, if it's stuff to do with attitudes towards AI or if it's to do with... Um, I don't know, a lot of stuff to do with VR, smart sure. homes, you know, anything that's emerging, we, we right. look to kind of integrate and make sure that we're up to date on it. Gotcha. So that's the data side of it. Okay. And on a global scale, it can get pretty challenging. Like you've got to make sure that you have relevant data in China, which is, yeah. like, you know, completely... that's got to be a bit tricky. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, <laughs> you work with customers in the market, you work with, uh, you know, you have, to, we have teams here. I don't have any teams on the ground there who just spend their time looking at what's happening and what's new, right? So you've got to invest in it, absolutely. Um, on the platform side, like, you know, in terms of how people are analyzing and using the data, you know, we run it like a SaaS business. I have product teams, you know, we have a roadmap. If they go out and speak and work with clients and we figure out what features they need. Okay. So as well as, build, you know, and, and one part of that feedback was our expert users wanted ways to really do, to mine data quicker and to run, you know, build, much more complex queries really, really quickly. Okay, Didn't sure. You know, so and, that, and then, not, so we're building, we've now nearly about to ship that to all our clients, but that's been built out of user feedback. Got you. And, um, so, you know. So, can, you know, so I, 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 sorry to interrupt you, but I'm curious, how many times do you need to get the same request before you consider building it? Because you could end up chasing your tail really quickly if you try to build everything that every customer is trying to ask for uh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know the danger particularly on the, the technology product size you end up with a really terrible product yeah it's awful yeah because it's driven by feature you know feature creep right there's no yeah. vision there's no um you got yeah it's it's not there's no you have to have a really solid a, a the strat the strategy of what we're trying to build Okay. You have to be really ruthless on the roadmap, and you have to throw things out. 
Sure. And, roadmap, and our roadmap got so bloated, and this was a lot of it's driven by client requests. Right. You, you're not get, you, can't, you can't deliver all these things properly. You know, so you've got to be ruthless, and you've got to throw some things out and recognize the certain things that we're just not going to be good at, and the customer may want it, but ultimately, you know, we're, just, we're just not going to be that company. Got you. And, you know, then, and then pragmatically, sometimes you've got very big customers. You probably have to lift them to more than smaller customers. Yeah, fair enough. You need a very <laughs> solid product management and strategy and to make sure uh, things go in the right direction. Um, and then you have to make big calls as well. So this is why we said, you know what? We're literally going to draw a line in the sand and build a new solution. So I talked about this stories uh, okay. product. Okay, sure. And... We know that we, you know, if we try and incrementally get to that where we are now, it's going to be very difficult. Got so you. Invest. We'll dial up a new team under the same management, and then and we'll get that off the ground as a separate, you know, as a separate product. And I, I think, okay, I think that's that's the way to do it. Okay, so you're building that currently. Uh, we started the process. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to take a while. Sure. Yeah. But but okay. I had to build a new team because all the sure. teams and product, all the engineers, all the product people, you know, they're so focused on building the existing roadmap, trying sure. to introduce new things. It's really challenging. So yeah, working on two products at the same time, just switching yeah. your, your mental kind of mindset is challenging. I've, I've done it before and yeah, yeah, it's, it's really, really tricky. It is tricky. And I, I you know, as a not, I'm not a technology, I'm not a technologist. I've never, I've never, right. you know, I've never coded anything in my life, right? So, okay. uh, I'm a commercial person, really, and it's it's Got like you. it's a real education in terms of how you structure and build and and scale up those sorts of teams. So, sure. And we have to reorganize everything now because you hit a certain level of scale in terms of how teams structured, and it wasn't the optimal way of doing it. So we had to regroup people into different units and. You know, and I expect again in a couple of years, we'll need to rethink it again. And you have to constantly, you've got to constantly evolve as a growing business. If things are changing all the time. So, Sure. So will the products talk to each other and share data or are they going to be totally kind of siloed from each other? No, no, they won't be siloed. So they'll all be, you know, they, it's like a central set, you know, central sets of data that everything inter interacts with. Gotcha. Central like you know, sign up, sign on, centralized API. There's those kind of underlying the pipes of the products, you know, that are kind gotcha. of centralized. Yeah, then the, user, the user products that sit on top that work with that data, you can, you can segment out and, and run them at different speeds and bring things to market. So um, you kind of, we went from building one product to saying, ah, if we build just one product, it's going to be really hard to get things over the line. Right. So we, we said, okay, let's build... Basically, we're going to start building multiple products on top of one infrastructure. And okay. uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's expensive to go that route. You kind of, you see that you just, you're going to struggle to continue to scale, you know? Yeah, interesting. So did you take though some of the top talent from Global Web Index in, and move them into the new product full time for at least a period of time? Or uh, did you start kind of from scratch? Well, no, we've really, um, I mean, at this point, we've basically started from scratch, but okay. managed by the existing people here, but in terms of like, Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah. You said that. Okay. That makes sense. But we need to also, so we're doing, doing quite a lot of outsourcing there as well, just to get it off the ground. Got you. Um, just to get quite a long way down the track. Right. And then, and then, you know, maybe when we might change that as go down the line, but it's quite, it's quite good to bring in some outside perspective on stuff when you want to move things initially, get them moving. Yeah, quickly. that makes sense. And, and at least build your version kind of one, right? To, yeah. to get in people's hands and playing with it. Yeah, it makes total sense. And what I kind of never, I, I've now learned the hard way is version one normally gets thrown away and you build. Yeah. You build Sometimes version up to version three can get thrown out in my experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you, having, you know, it, it's great to begin with, but then when you start scaling, we get loads of users or... Yeah. Feature requests get too complicated. It's better just to throw it away and start again, which is, yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. interesting. So don't spend a ton of money on your first few versions, right? Well, Basically. yeah, no, if you, if you don't have to. Well, yeah. And it, it all goes back to the kind of lean startup idea. If you know, version one should be, 
as simple and throwawayable as possible. That's yeah, that makes sense. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So I'm curious then to know a little bit more about um, pricing in the sense that you have a free model. What does that kind of include? Um, and then at what point would people kind of need to upgrade to a paid model to get some of the more advanced features? Like what's the difference between the two? Um, we segment it based on data. Okay. So imagine the, like the total data set is like 25,000 data points, which is difficult mm. to visualize or know what that really means. But we then segment that down into various themed, call them data packs. Okay. If you sign up for free, you get like um, an introductory data pack that has some high level numbers, but you can't segment it by very detailed audiences. So like can't build very detailed uh, customer segments. So you could maybe look at high level demographics, but you can't add, uh, I'll, you know, is a fan of Adidas and plays football and gotcha. uh, likes to try new products. You know, like they're really kind of detailed segments you wouldn't be able to do. So you can then add and buy different data packs. You can build up a wider selection of insight. When you get to a certain level, we price it as a professional account and then an enterprise account. Got you. And they're basically structured on users. So you get all the data, you have all the markets, you have all the geographies, um, so you have global data, all the data points that we collect, and then you buy the number of users that you want. So, I mean, it, it can vary hugely in terms of user rate, depending on the scale of contracts and how far they're willing to push it into an organization. Um, but those, those user-based contracts could range from three people up to some of them are now like, uh, you know, in multiples of thousands. So okay. it depends on your organization, how they're structured. Some want to still centralize data and research. Some want to okay. push it out to everybody. And Interesting. we obviously like the companies that want to push it out to everybody um, because our model is user-based and that's where we get, you know, get most usage of it. And we want to put it in the hands of people. Um, so yeah, it's basically, so we end up pricing and structuring it as a SaaS company. Um, and that's, that's how it works. So. M makes sense. So, you guys have a ton of different kind of free resources online. Um, my favorite is kind of the, the chart of the week, but do you want to kind of talk about um, some of the stuff that you guys kind of constantly publish and, and give away yeah. for free? Because it, some of it, I found it really fascinating actually. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it used to be chart of the day. Okay. Uh, Interesting. We decided to take it to chart of the week just to um, spare people's uh, inboxes, but sure. Uh, that's incredibly successful for us. So, you know, our, we basically, if, if it, being an extremely large piece of market research, we have infinite data to work with. Sure. Right. You can turn it into any story you want. You know, like, I don't know, if, if there's an event coming, it could be something like Christmas. It could be, right. NFL, it could be the Super Bowl. It could be a royal wedding. It, it literally anything. There's going to be a way of, building a story or a perspective with our data that's relevant, right? So sure. we utilize that to build, you know, incredible amount of content. So our, our, the, what's primarily driving our lead generation is content. Um, sure. We build, you know, we build um, yeah, chart of the week, which you can come to our website and sign up for. You can download, um, you know, cut down versions of our reports. We give some reports away for free. We do infographics. Um, we have a blog which is really successful and has loads of, you know, bits of data coming out of the platform. And it generates a huge number of leads. Like the vast majority of leads come through because they download reports, right? So, right. Um, A, it's useful to people. You know, it's providing a useful service, but it's also great to introduce people to what we do. And they look, they look at the reports and say, that's interesting. You know, I wonder if I could get that for, I don't know, my country, my market, the products I'm working on or for this segment of people. And that's the idea. It's about introducing people to the data and the, the provision of data we have, what they can use it for um, and getting them a little bit, you know, trying to encourage them to come to the platform, log in and ultimately buy a license. Right. So yeah, um, we are doing a lot more content marketing. We're doing a lot more educational uh, content as well. So the guys are building out guides to, 
audience, you know, how do you develop audience insights? How do you, uh, how do you run market, you know, all aspects of marketing, building out user guides to help people. And the rationale there is if we help, you know, as I said before, marketing is being democratized, moving into every organization is running marketing in house. Right. If you help people understand how to bring some of the techniques from enterprise marketing to do a better job, uh, you know, they're, they're going to need data to do that. So they're, they're going to come to us. So if we educate the, the industry, we educate the world on how to do that stuff, it's going to benefit us ultimately, or it may benefit other providers of data. But if we grow that requirement generally, it's, it's only going to help. So, you know, we're very committed on that. We have a big team of designers here. Okay. Um, I can't remember the exact number now. I think it's about eight designers. Oh, wow. That's a lot. And they're not doing doing any web design. They're just physical, like building like reports, infographics, visual design. Got you. you. Sure. Um, We have, you know, we have three or four copywriters. We've really committed to content marketing. Yeah. So you have a, you have your own big internal uh, marketing department. Absolutely. Yeah. We still still do work with external agencies in certain areas, but you know, we've put a lot in house and they build incredible content. You know, and, sure. and it drives incredible amount of interest. So it's uh, well worth too. No, that's that's really great. But Tom, we're basically at the end of the show. So let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys and any other links you want to mention. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's very simple. You can come to our website, which is uh, Global Web Index. Just Google Global Web Index or come to globalwebindex.com. Uh, and you're going to find us and hope you can sign up for free or you can download our content. Um, I recommend getting chart of the week to start with because it gives you a good familiarity of the kind of stuff we're doing. Sure. Um, yeah, it's a good place to start. Uh, well, Tom, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day, man. No, absolutely. Ab- pleasure. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. Okay. See you soon. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com. And keep building the future.